Hello, my friend, and welcome to Wisdom Trek. I am Guthrie Chamberlain, your guide to wisdom and creating a living legacy. Thank you for joining us for our five-day-per-week wisdom and legacy-building podcast. We are broadcasting from our studios at the Big House in Marietta, Ohio. Today is day 956 of our trek, and it is Wisdom Wednesday. Creating a biblical worldview is important to have a proper perspective on today's current events. To establish a biblical worldview, it is required that you also have a proper understanding of God's Word. Especially in our Western cultures, we do not fully understand the scriptures from the mindset and the cultures of the authors. In order to help us all have a better understanding, we are investing Wisdom Wednesdays reviewing a series of essays from one of today's most prominent Hebrew scholars, Dr. Michael S. Heiser. He has compiled these essays into a book called, I Dare You Not to Bore Me with the Bible. Have you ever wondered about why certain passages in the Old Testament seem a bit obscure and translated a bit different? Well, in today's essay, we will explore the important question of he, him, me, myself, and I. How strange would it sound if a friend described what they did in the morning like this. After she got out of bed, she took a shower and then made quick breakfast for herself. Just some coffee and bagel. I was in such a hurry that I didn't even finish my bagel and just took the coffee with me. Now be honest, you would probably wonder if your friend needed some medication. Although your friend was describing what she did in this morning, the first few details sounded like she was talking about somebody else. If the information was about her and spoken by her, why not use I or my? What we call the first person pronouns in grammar. Why would she refer to herself in the third person? We just don't talk or write like that. Neither would the biblical writers, but that is exactly what we read in many biblical passages. Consider Ezekiel chapter 1 verses 1 through 4, and it reads like this. On July 31st of the 13th year, while I was with the Judean exiles beside the Kibar River in Babylon, the heavens were opened up and I saw a vision of God. This happened during the fifth year of the king Jehoiachin's captivity. The Lord gave this message to Ezekiel, son of Buzi, a priest beside the Kibar River in the land of the Babylonians, and he felt the hand of the Lord take hold of him. As I looked, I saw a great storm coming from the north, driving before it a huge cloud that flashed with lightnings and shone with a brilliant light. There was a fire inside the cloud, and in the middle of the fire glowed something like a gleaming amber. Well, within the first two verses of this passage, Ezekiel uses the first person, I, which leads us to believe that it was Ezekiel himself writing. Then he switched to the third person in verse 3, as though the writer was not the famous prophet, Ezekiel himself. Then it was back to the first person, I, again in verse 4. What's going on? Can't Ezekiel decide if he's writing it or not? There is no multiple personality disorder here. The switch between the grammatical persons is simply a telltale sign of an editor. Someone other than Ezekiel inserted the verse 3 to make it clear that the prophet wasn't crazy. The prophet saw God and was led by the Spirit to describe what follows in the book. But you might ask yourself, who had the authority to edit the Bible like this? The short answer is whomever God moved to do so under inspiration. The longer answer is that, in the case of prophetic writings, someone accepted by the believing community of Israel to the members of the prophetic class or tradition served by the editor of the preaching or teaching of the prophets. A picture of this prophetic class emerges during the time of Elijah and Elisha. 
The Prophets lived together in an organized community. The group was known as the Sons of the Prophet. In 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 3, 5, 7, and 15, and also included married couples in 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1. Such communities began at least as early as the time of Samuel in 1 Samuel chapter 10. The prophetic community of Elijah and Elisha era was very large. During the time of Elijah, there were at least a hundred prophets hidden by Obadiah from Ahab and Jezebel, 1 Kings chapter 18 verse 4. During Elisha's period, 50 sons of the prophet, which wasn't even the whole group, are mentioned in 2 Kings chapter 2 verse 7. The sons of the prophet served God under the leadership of the main prophet, who did most of the public speaking. We have several examples of this, such as Barak in Jeremiah chapter 36, Gehazi in 2 Kings chapter 5 verse 20, and Elisha in 2 Kings chapter 2 verse 5. Any of the unnamed prophets within the community could have been tasked with gathering the written words of their teacher, the main prophet, and putting them into a scroll or book. Writing down, organizing, and editing the prophet's words could have taken place entirely after the death of the leading prophet, under the guidance of the Spirit. The process is similar to the way that the Gospels were produced. We don't know for sure how it worked, but we know that more than one hand was responsible for what we have today. We also know that these people served God in this way, without recognition, and this is a lesson for all of us to take to heart. And that will conclude our essay for this week. Next Wisdom Wednesday, we will continue in the Old Testament as we look at Dr. Heiser's next essay titled, Bizarre Visions of the Worst of Times. I believe that you'll find this another interesting topic to consider as we build our biblical worldview. Tomorrow, we will continue with a three-minute humor nugget that will provide you with a bit of cheer, which will help you to lighten up and live that rich and satisfying life. So encourage your friends and family to join us and then come along with us tomorrow for another day of Wisdom Trek, Creating a Legacy. If you'd like to listen to in the past 955 treks or read the wisdom journals, they are all available at wisdom-trek.com. And I encourage you to subscribe to Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts so that each day's trek will be downloaded to you automatically. And thank you so much for allowing me to be your guide, your mentor, but most importantly, I am your friend as I serve you through the Wisdom Trek podcast and journal. And as we take this trek of life together, let us always... Live abundantly, love unconditionally, listen intentionally, learn continuously, lend to others generously, lead with integrity, and then leave a living legacy each day. I am Guthrie Chamberlain reminding you to keep moving forward, enjoy your journey, and then create a great day every day. See you tomorrow.